Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Every time we come to this reading, uh, we, we switch to the one-year um, lectionary not long after I first got here in 2019, and uh, I guess the one of the good things about the one year is that you get the same texts every year, and the thing is, is that the world changes, but the texts stay the same, just like God's word. So we hear this every year, and this is about the fourth time since I've been here, right, since I've been a pastor, that we've gotten this great text, and I say that with a smile because it's <laughs> very interesting when a woman comes to Jesus, a Canaanite comes to Jesus and makes this wonderful confession and says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not respond with a word. He did not answer her prayer. And this is a beautiful text in that it shows us the persistence of faith and what it is, what it means to be persistent in faith. We see that this woman comes to Jesus several times and saying, Lord, help me, please help. And then it's as if he doesn't even answer her, but he's talking to his, his disciples who say, Lord, just send her away because she's crying out after us. And he answers to them, it seems, right? It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. That's why I smiled when I said we get to read this text because he's calling this woman a dog. That's not very nice. <laughs> but that's okay, right? That's okay. There are some times where Jesus is not nice. There are some times where Jesus, for the sake of being good, he is not nice because this woman is a Canaanite. Who are the Canaanites? Do y'all remember who the Canaanites are? These are the people that Joshua and all the people of Israel were told to go and utterly destroy when they came into that land. She shouldn't even exist, right? Because... What happens with the Canaanites is that they are cursed because of, well, they're cursed because of Ham, which was the son of Noah, who committed an atrocious act that he required a curse. And so the Canaanites have been cursed, and that curse gets passed down through generations. And the Canaanites, at this time at least, have been known to be polytheists. That is, they worship all kinds of gods. I mean, the good thing about polytheism is that there's always room for one more God, right? That the Romans were polytheists in a sense, and so were the Greeks, and a lot of people at this time were pagan polytheists and said, well, if this God doesn't do it, I'll just try this one, and this one, and this one, and this one, until I get what I want, right? How often do we do something like that? That when we pray to God and asking Him for help, or even for just something we want, and we don't get it, what temptation do we face? 
we face the temptation to say, well, then God, I'll do it myself. I'll take it into my own hands, and in that sense, we become our own gods, right? Or I'll just go somewhere else where I can find it. And you make something else your God, the thing you fear, love, and trust in above all things. So what Jesus is doing here, which may not seem very nice, but it is good, he is testing her, right? And he tests her because she starts out with such a beautiful confession. Oh, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me, right? How does she know this? We don't really know exactly. But what a beautiful confession that she knows who Jesus is, and she says it out loud. And so, knowing who she is, knowing where she comes from, Jesus tests her, and he wants her to give a good confession to make sure that she knows, because he knows, but he wants her to know and all the others to know just what it is she's doing and just who it is that she trusts in. So he doesn't say anything. He's quiet. And then when the disciples begged him and said their own prayer, send her away, right? They were praying against her, get her out of here. We don't care about what she's doing. We don't care that she's suffering. We don't care that her daughter is hurt or oppressed by a demon, in essence, right? They're not saying this outright, but that's exactly what they mean. Send her away, for she's bothering us. She's crying out after us. Just get her out of here, Lord. And he answers them. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But then she does exactly what he wants her to do. And she comes and she kneels before him. She bows down to him. She worships him, not just with what she says, but with what she does. She kneels before him and says, Lord, help me. And he answered in a way that she probably wasn't expecting. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Basically, it's not right, you dog, for me to feed you. Who do you belong to? Not to me. But she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Now, what a wonderful confession of faith. This is exactly what the Lord desires from us when he tests us when he tries us, when he causes us to suffer, which to a lot of people sounds strange. How could a good God cause us to suffer or bring suffering onto us? But he does. He does this for our good, to strengthen us, to burn away all those things, all all the impurities that would taint us so that we would know that we can only trust in him. And she says, when he says, it's not right to take the children's bread that belongs to them and give it to the dogs, that is you. She says, Lord, I don't want the children's bread. I want your bread. I want to be fed by the hand of my master. That's what I want. Yes, you may call me a dog, 
Yes, you may say that I am lower than low, and rightfully so I am, but Lord, I trust that you will give me what is good, like a faithful dog does. And he answers her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is to show us that from from strange places, we can see great faith. And that within us, who once were caught up in sin, who still are to a great degree, really, from our strange places, we can even cry out for grace. And God will hear us. And he tries us. How often do we cry out and not hear anything? How often do we ask for God's help and we think that he doesn't hear us because nothing is said? Even worse, how often do we not even realize that something is so bad that we need to pray? At least this woman knew that she needed to go to see Jesus for help. How often do we try and take matters into our own hands or entrust them to somebody else and never once go to God in prayer? How often do we fail in even going and asking and seeking him out? So with this, it is a warning to us, but encouragement to us that we as St. Paul says, who have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That in all things, in all trials, in all tribulations, we can, should, and must go to him in prayer. And he will hear us. He is our great high priest. Not only that, he is our brother. He is the older brother that makes us co-heirs with him for all eternity. He is our family now because of the blood that he has shed for us and the promises that he has kept. That when you hear God's promises, and we are greatly blessed to have all these promises in his word, printed for us, readily available to us. They're on our phones. They're in our hands. They're, they're everywhere. And we often turn away from his word for our own sakes. But when we hear his word, even the smallest word, that he is the Lord God of all, the son of David who comes and who conquers sin, death, and the power of, of and the power, excuse me, and the power of the devil. When we hear this one word, that is enough to drive us to our knees to pray, to ask him to persist in faith, not because we are strong, but because he is strong, not because we are so great that we hold on to him and it's only by our strength that we do so, but that his promises are great enough to carry us, that when we trust in him, he will do all these things so that in that we have peace with God. That in the face of sufferings, we can have 
joy. That's what it means to, to, excuse me, to rejoice. That in the midst of suffering, we may not be happy, but we are joyful. And we can have a smile on our faces in the midst of pain and suffering because we know that suffering produces great endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured, has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The faith that you have to cling to Christ is a pure gift. God does it all for you so that you may have joy in the midst of sorrow, so that you may trust in him when he doesn't seem to be answering you, so that even when he pushes you down further and further in the midst of your cries for help, you can say, yet, O Lord, I will trust in you, for I know that you will give me all good things. You will guide me through the valley of the shadow of death. Your hand will guide me. Your rod and your staff will comfort me. And even though you set a table before me in the midst of those who hate me, I will not fear, for you are with me. As we travel through these days of Lent, let us be persistent. Let us trust in God and what he has done for us. May we hold on to him, not with our own strength, but the strength that he supplies by the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins so that, so that in the face of temptation, we may continue to cry out, Lord, help me. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.